Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. You can find us on Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and just about everywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at, at @rightnowjimdawes. You can email me at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. And if you want to place a call to the program that we can use on a future broadcast, you can leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. And I want to give you a heads up in the second half of today's program. We're going to be joined by Brian Colfage from We Build the Wall. They're the group that uh, you probably have read about in the news that has raised over $20 million to privately fund sections of the border wall to be built on private property along the border. You may not be aware, but uh, most of the Texas-Mexican border is owned by ranchers down there. And uh, many of them uh, have a great deal of trouble with uh, coyotes uh, bringing huge numbers of illegal immig- immigrants across the border there and doing damage to their fence lines and their their property and even menacing them in their homes. And uh, We Build the Wall, led by Brian Colfage, is, uh, is solving that while... Our elected officials in Washington uh, bicker and uh, and just let the issue go entirely unaddressed. So, uh, you know, I know that uh, you may be by now sick of hearing about the Joe Biden, the creepy Joe Biden groper, uh, and think that you know all that there is to know about it. I've got a sort of a a take that occurred to me that I think is uh, is worth. Your uh, your consideration. You know, in all of these stories that have come out, Joe Biden's uh, violations that have been reported by Democrat activists have all been relatively minor. Uh, they've said that he smelled their hair and kissed them on the back of their head. One of the, the most recent ones said that he uh, grabbed her by the face and rubbed noses with her. And you might think, well... You know, that's uh, it's a little bit odd. It definitely is odd, but it's uh, certainly nothing to get excited about. What I think all of this is designed to do, and this is just a theory at this point, but it makes sense, is to inoculate him from these scores of videos that are out there on YouTube uh, that, in fact, show him doing much, much worse groping grown women in, you know, public settings. But... Even worse, doing the same thing to little girls. And I think this is a public relations effort to try to dispense with this issue while they can still uh, keep, uh, keep a lid on it. 
And, um, you know, the, the, it, one thing it really illustrates is how much you benefit from having a compliant uh, media. Conservatives have been pointing out that Joe Biden has been groping women in public for well over a decade, and it, uh, it never came to anybody's attention. Um, but now they know that uh, it's going to uh, you know, be a, a campaign issue. And so I think that they're uh, trying to get it out of the way, inoculate it so it becomes old news while they can still control uh, you know, the, the narrative. Because I can tell you, if Joe Biden ever becomes the Democrat nominee, Donald Trump is just absolutely going to skewer him with these, uh, with these photographs and this uh, history of creepy Uncle Joe. And it'll give the media something to say, oh, that's old news. Move on, move on. We've already discussed that. So I think that's why they're having the conversation now. They're, they're, uh, they're doing it up front. You know, Kellyanne Conway was on the Sunday news show. She pointed out that uh, Joe Biden's going to have a big problem with this because it's not limited to the instances that, uh, that have been reported. But all of these post-Me Too allegations and insinuations are really don't comport with probably Joe Biden's conduct over the years. If anybody just types in creepy Uncle Joe videos, you come up with a treasure trove. Um, far more evidentiary information and videos than we saw when Brett Kavanaugh's nomination was trying to be derailed and, his, and him as an individual and his family being destroyed by folks who had no evidence of what had allegedly happened 34 years earlier. Uh, and I think Joe Biden has a big problem here because he calls it affection and handshakes. His party calls it completely inappropriate. Well, his party has just now got around to calling it uh, completely inappropriate, and the only people that are calling it completely inappropriate are these uh, these two accusers so far that have really brought sort of milk toast, very minor um, violations without, by the way, video evidence uh, of of Joe Biden's serial groping. Uh, that far more damning are the ones that you can uh, see on the internet with just a casual read. But even uh, even with all of this evidence out there, uh, the talking heads in the media have sprang to his defense. Uh, you know, Mika, uh, crazy uh, Mika Brzezinski over there at Morning Joe, uh, she said, oh, all of this is just harmless. This is just Joe being affectionate. And she's talking about the women that have reported uh, in question, you know, the, the two instances that they, they want to hold up as examples of this that are not representative of what he's been doing at all. Jake Tapper, for his part, at least uh, let a little bit of truth uh, sink through over at CNN, which is a very rare thing indeed. That Kellyanne Conway sound in a second, but, but, but first, Aisha, I, I do want to ask your opinion, because I have to say, if any of the men around this table behaved this way at our places of work, we would get reprimanded. We would get potentially even fired. You are not allowed to touch women inappropriately. Again, it doesn't matter if your intention is sexual or just friendly. You can't massage a woman's shoulders and sniff her hair and kiss the back of her head. That's not appropriate. Well, you can't do it with co-workers, and you most certainly ought not to be doing it with total strangers the way Joe Biden has been doing for the last 20 years. He doesn't know these women or these little girls. He's just assuming it upon himself to go groping these girls. I don't want to see fondling because uh, he goes right up to the fondling line and doesn't cross. 
But this is the type of uh, behavior that would get you uh, knocked to the floor, you know, if you did it in, in uh, front of a woman's husband and you didn't have a Secret Service detail there uh, to protect you. Andrea Mitchell was quick to spring to um, Uncle Joe's defense on her uh, show on NBC. Biden's spokesman today blasting what he calls a cottage industry of lies about the former vice president, including this cropped image with a boy. In fact, it was Biden comforting his grandson at Bo Biden's funeral. Now all of it a 2020 campaign issue. Have you ever seen him being too huggy, um, too touchy-feely? I personally haven't seen that. I believe Lucy Flores. And Joe Biden needs to give an answer. I have no reason not to believe Lucy. Biden is being hit with all this before he's even announced he's running. His allies believe it's because he's polling way ahead of the field and is a likely front runner. So Andrew, Andrew Mitchell puts up a puff piece, you know, uh, sort of trying to um, exhaust all this and uh, make it seem as if there's nothing there. Um, she she focuses on the one image uh, that they say was um, falsified. I don't know. It wasn't actually manipulated. It was actually just uh, he and his grandson, and I don't know who included it, but uh, she didn't, you'll notice, mention all of the numerous scores, as I say, of videos uh, that actually show this behavior. And that's what's making me think that, uh, you know, maybe something's up here. But, um, you know, you watch this stuff and you wonder, is there any women uh, at a public event that Joe Biden has not touched inappropriately? And you, you, you wonder what's wrong with him. And I've recently learned that uh, he suffered a brain aneurysm many, many years ago, um, like uh, 20 years ago. And there's a condition that um, I can't, I'll, I'll try to think of it in a second, uh, that affects people's uh, behaviors um, and some people are claiming that that's what it is. I just think that it is a sign of being a closeted pervert myself. And you wonder why even over on uh, Fox, you got Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and even, um, even Sean Hannity had on Carl Rove to defend this behavior on behalf of Joe Biden. And maybe they think that that's the candidate that Trump would do best again, I, I doubt it. I think he would be the more mo most formidable opponent to Trump. But uh, when Tucker Carlson downplayed his his behavior last night, he just called him a hair sniffer. Well, I know Tucker Carlson knows for a fact what Joe Biden's been doing, and I don't understand why he's giving him a pass on it. I certainly don't understand why Laura Ingram is making it seem like her um, episode of uh, creepy Joe getting his hands all over her. She sort of describes as being endearing. Joe Biden, if he had, had been a Republican, would have been run from office for this sort of behavior uh, decades ago. He may survive the uh, this scandal because he is a Democrat. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Because at some point, you know, they'll they'll do it like they did Seth Rich and, and all the other uh, many scandals on behalf of the Democrats. They'll just uh, make it uh, where you're not allowed to talk about it anymore. 
So the two prevailing theories are, one, that his uh, le- the left wing of the Democrat Party is trying to kneecap him and take him out before he even declares for the campaign. My alternative theory is that uh, his people are trying to put this out there in order to inoculate himself by making the uh, the discussion about the most the least egregious uh, of of these instances. There's a great piece in today's American Thinker by by um, Catherine Evans, and she cites. Um, you know, this sort of behavior being analyzed by law enforcement. Uh, she's, she cites Vernon Gerberth, Geberth of the New York City uh, Police Department Sex Crimes Unit, saying that gropers are found among the rich and famous politicians, athletes, and actors. In some cases, they feel entitled, and in other cases, they substitute this sort of behavior for normal satisfaction, sexual satisfaction. She goes on to cite a Dr. Scott Bond of Drew University who wrote a New York Times article saying a groper's motivation is for sexual gratification through inappropriate touching and violating the victim. They think if I touch it, then the mere fact that they touched it triggers a response in the brain and they fantasize on it. That's what it looks like to me, that he's getting his jollies by getting away with this in public. He's very creepy about it, very subtle, but uh, his hands stray into places where they don't belong. You see these little girls pulling away from him, knowing that uh, his behavior is inappropriate. Oftentimes their parents are so starstruck by this, you know, being among the vice president that they uh, they don't object. I've, I have seen a women pull their daughters away from Joe Biden. Dr. Bond says it becomes addictive and they become serial gropers. Jim Clemente of the FBI says that groping cannot be private. It is out in the open. It is by by definition a public event. So not only does Biden feel entitled due to his political position, and the opportunities that all of these social and official functions where he's meeting with people who are awed by his presence offer him. The, the article that I'm citing says Manhattan's chief sex crimes prosecutor in 2011 said groping is incredibly common behavior. And most people don't realize it until it's over with the places crowded places are magnets for people with that kind of sexual dysfunction. You know, Biden could be a common sexual dysfunctional groper if it weren't for all of these videos of him groping children. And that's when it crosses the line and becomes unacceptable. A grown woman knows how to deal with these sort of leches or or would in a normal setting where it's not the vice president of the United States. But these children are true victims. That is totally inappropriate behavior from a grown man to a child that he has never met, putting his hands on them in these uh, these sort of inappropriate ways. So I don't appreciate Tucker Carlson and and uh, Laura Ingram and and uh, Carl Rove and the rest of these people who should know better defending Joe Biden for this behavior. It's totally inappropriate. And unlike all of these hoaxes that the Democrats uh, gin up. There's video of this. 
They know that these videos are going to come out in uh, in campaign commercials. They're trying to inoculate themselves, and it ought not to be uh, the the people on the right side of the political spectrum certainly ought not to be going along with this. Well, Chick Fil A is uh, one of the uh, uh, the greatest corporations in America. Not only do they offer a fantastic product, their Chick-fil-A sandwiches and the rest of their menu, but they do it in a clean, wholesome environment. Their service is uh, the best in the fast food industry. They, uh, I read someplace that they uh, make uh, more profits uh, per unit than a, Chick-fil-A, than a, a McDonald's and a Starbucks store combined. Well, you know what I'm going to bring up? Uh, last week, the San Antonio City Council voted to ban Chick-fil-A restaurants from their their airport in that city in South, uh, South Texas. They expressed, they, they were voting to open up um, a new concession space in the airport, and they expressly excluded Chick-fil-A. And what was their sin? That they have donated to religious uh organizations gave charitable contributions to religious organizations that preach against homosexual um, relationships. So if, if the council disagrees with that, that's their, their right, but it's also Chick-fil-A's right to believe that that's a sin. And Chick-fil-A has never um, been shown to have discriminated against people because of their sexual orientation it's simply their religious belief that they that they preach. Well, now, Buffalo Niagara International Airport uh, in New York has followed suit. So now we've got this uh, this trend where these these tolerant social justice warrior cities are exercising religious discrimination on a blatant basis. It's very uh, it's very similar to what you see in the larger society is they exercise intolerance in the name of tolerance. And this is extended all the way over to, um, you know, uh, fundamentalist Islam as well. They say you can't discriminate against fundamentalist Islam, despite the fact that fundamental Islam is treating women as chattel and throwing homosexuals off of, the roof of high buildings. But what they're doing uh, in San Antonio and, and Buffalo, New York, is blatantly illegal. It's blatant religious discrimination. And these, uh, these two uh, uh, city councils need to be made to pay for this so that uh, this trend does not continue. I think there was an effort to try to ban Chick-fil-A from the Atlanta airport. Chick-fil-A is an Atlanta company. It, uh, it, it, it was founded in a little town just south of uh, the city of Atlanta called Hapeville. Hapeville was also the home to uh, a Ford factory until our geniuses in Washington, D.C. Uh, signed NAFTA and all of those, uh, those good-paying American jobs were shipped overseas. But it was, it was right across the street from the uh, Hapeville Ford factory. It's called the Dwarf House. It was uh, the original Chick-fil-A restaurant. And the fact that the Atlanta City Council, with all of the good work that Chick-fil-A has done 
would uh, would try to penalize Chick Fil A was just ridiculous. Well, there's uh, one more story I want to uh, uh, cover in this first segment. As I said in the second segment of today's show, we're going to have Brian Colfage from We Build the Wall. But I I have noticed uh, an interesting phenomena, and that is uh, in recent weeks. Um, cities have sent police SWAT teams to recover children from homes that didn't believe in vaccinations to knock down the doors and take their children away um, because the children's presented at a uh, a health facility with a, a fever. And when the doctors found out they weren't vaccinated, not only did they, um, you know, send them home, they called the authorities who promptly went and um, took custody of the children. So now we're to believe that uh, people no longer have the rights to make health care determinations for their children. I know that, you know what the other side of the argument is. You're putting everybody at risk by not having your child vaccinated. If you want to take that position, then, uh, then require them to keep the child out of the public and out of school Anytime they have a fever and uh, and take action against them based for that. But coming to the house and taking the child is definitely overstepping. And and also, in many of these cases, these uh, objections to vac- vaccinations are religiously based. But what you have not seen is any um, objection to these flood of children from Central and South America that are flooding across our border, and it's not only the children, it's the adult too, none of which have vaccinations. So this this is another example of where illegal aliens are treated um, better than native citizens. I remember one time I was sitting, I was I was going through a uh, a roadblock, you know, where they check your insurance and your license and registration. And I was behind a pickup truck, a uh, landscaping pickup truck, and I saw the officer go over there, you know, and he, he, he talked to the driver. The driver never presented any papers or a driver's license or anything and just kept shaking his head no. Stuck my head out the window, and I could hear that the uh, deputy was trying to communicate with the driver, but the driver didn't speak English. And uh, this went on for some time. The, the driver never presented a driver's license or any evidence of insurance, and the deputy ended up just waving him on. And so when my turn came up there, of course, I presented my, uh, my driver's license, my proof of insurance, my registration. And I asked the cop, I said, well, you know, what was going on up there? He said, well, you know, it's an um, illegal immigrant, doesn't have a driver's license, doesn't have insurance, doesn't have any identification. Well, I said, well, what what would happen to me if I showed up here with no proof of insurance and no driver's license? He said, well, we'd take you to jail. You'd have to bond out, and we would uh, file charges against you. I said, well, why, why do you not hold the illegal alien to the same standard? He said, because if we did that, we'd our jails would be full. We wouldn't have any place to put you you know, if you broke the law. And this is the same situation. We've got 
law enforcement people now busting down the doors of people whose children are unvaccinated in order to take them away and make sure that they're getting proper health care. While at the same time, we just waive tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants across the border, none of which have been vaccinated or we don't know which of them have been vaccinated. We don't even know who they are. This is a one of the favorite uh, terms on the left is an unsustainable situation. This is absolutely unsustainable. Eventually, it will destroy this republic because the the rule of law. We're making a two tiered justice system. If you're if you're in jail on some minor charge in one of these sanctuary cities, and you've got warrants out for your arrest for another violation, they don't report you to ICE so that they can pick you up upon your on your discharge. They just release you into the community. If you had warrants out for your arrest, you would not even be released. You would just be transferred to a, another <clears throat> another facility. Don't forget, after this break, we're going to be joined by Brian Colfage from We Build the Wall. We're going to discuss that group's efforts to, uh, to do its part on the southern border by allowing you to support... And you're back. I'm right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Our next guest is Brian Colfage. He's the founder and CEO of Build the Wa- We Build the Wall. We Build the Wall is a nonprofit dedicated to building sections of the border wall on privately owned property along the border through crowdsourced funding. To date, they've raised almost $22 million and are set to begin construction this month. Brian Colfage, thank you for joining us right now. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Well, I just want to start, uh, sort of break the ice by uh, by expressing my uh, respect for you, brother. Um, I am inspired by the way you have conducted yourself and your story. For listeners who are unaware, Brian was uh, an airman, uh, grievously wounded in a rocket attack uh, in Iraq. Um, he survived a trauma that would have killed most men, but he didn't stop there. He continued to serve our nation. Uh, but at first, uh, by uh, an alternative uh, news site that uh, tried to cut through the mainstream media's narrative, he was uh, demonetized by Facebook. I think he was probably the most popular alternative news site on Facebook. And then he founded uh, Build, We Build the Wall. And We Build the Wall is designed to fill the gap between dysfunctional Washington and uh, privately uh, fund sections of the border wall uh, to cut through all of that. So, uh, Brian, you didn't let adversity defeat you or get you down. And, you know, the term hero has probably become one of the most overused terms in the English language. But if anyone fits the bill, brother, it's you, and I appreciate you joining us today. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So tell me uh, tell me what you got going on at We Build the Wall. I know uh, you guys are 
overcome a, a lot of uh, obstacles in your way, and you're getting ready to uh, break ground. Yeah, and I think we're uh, we're starting probably within a, the next few weeks. We hope to be breaking ground, and we've had a lot going on. Um, it's just been working ever since we started this. We've been working on the on the border, uh, trying to pull something off that seems impossible, but it's really not. It's uh, we found out it's actually been pretty simple. It just takes a lot of a lot of hard work, and we're getting it done. We should be breaking ground this month on our first section of border wall. Well, it's impressive that uh, you guys are uh, looks like going to beat uh, Washington uh, to the to the starting line, uh, getting this border wall. It's quite clear at this point that the only solution to our crisis on the border is uh, by preventing people from entering the country to begin with. And um, yep. I guess I would ask you, how many property owners? are there on the border and, and uh, you know, that uh, would welcome this and how much of the border uh, could be built in a cooperative effort uh, with uh, private funding on private property? Um, well, we've actually compiled a list of just about almost every single uh, landowner on the border who has land that's large enough for us to build. And, um, you know, it's at least 60 properties, we believe. And these properties are fairly large too, so we we're, we're just going down the list, finding um, the landowners and contacting them. And some have reached out to us. We've even had border patrol agents on the ground helping us make these contacts uh, with these landowners to facilitate it. And uh, it's going good. And we we should, you know, have at least ten properties lined up to build wall on, and. Um, when we start building, we, we're not trying to compete with the president. We want to you know, work alongside him, supplement it, and uh, basically have him, the president, his wall, and our foundation knock out the most wall that we can get together as a joint unit. And uh, whatever they're going to do, we're going to try to match them in miles. And we believe we can do it. Well, if you can uh, bypass the government's uh, Byzantine procurement process, I'm sure you can do it faster and cheaper and better. Um, I read an article. I read an article recently. The one of uh, these co- uh, companies. Um, what were their names? Uh, Fisher Sand and Gravel Company. The president over there, uh, Tommy Fisher, said that he could build 234 miles of the wall for just uh, 1.6 or 1.4 billion dollars, which is what you know the 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 drop in the bucket that uh, that Congress originally authorized for this. So, um, yeah, and you know he he's, he can do it cheaper, but you know we can even do it cheaper than that because none of us are profiting. So that's that's the beauty of it. it we can because we're not even like a bit, we're not a company, we're a nonprofit, right? So, sand and gravel, we can come in and do it for probably uh, eight hundred million, whereas he's one point four billion, and uh, that's, it just shows like if the people coming together and who don't want who, their main concern is border security, not making a penny. We can do it, and we can get it done for a fraction of the cost of what anyone can do it for. Well, I know uh, you know one of the uh, disinformation campaigns that the media likes to wage is that um, uh, the uh, the property owners, the ranchers uh, that own property on the border, are opposed to this. Uh, and right. you know, it may, left me scratch my head. Why in the world would they be opposed to it? They're the ones suffering, um, you know, most greatly by these uh, these caravans and coyotes crossing their property and tearing up their fence lines. And 
and I've uh, you know I've followed this this issue for decades now. And every uh, rancher down there that I knew of would have jumped at the opportunity to have a wall built for them. Yep, and the thing is, the people who are opposed to it, there's a reason they're opposed to it. And it's because corruption has sunk in very deeply now on those, in those border communities. In a lot of those border communities, we've had sheriffs arrested by the FBI. We've had politicians, uh, even Border Patrol agents have been busted for working for the cartels. And the cartels, are, you know, they're a billion-dollar company, and they're, they're now in the United States. They're paying people off. They're paying landowners off. And if someone's against border security, you need to follow the money, and that's, that's what we're hearing. We're hearing that, you know, the, these communities down there are just the, the citizens are being paid off, and that's all it is. One of the most maddening provisions in that omnibus bill that the president, I thought, uh, should not have signed, but uh, was that uh, he could only build – um, wall in the, um, it's not the Rio Grande Valley. It's, it's one of the areas in, in, uh, South Texas, uh, encompassing three counties. Um, and those counties had had numerous officials, like you said, law enforcement and elected officials arrested for, uh, cooperating with the drug cartels and, and people traffickers. And it gave them the ability to veto, any sections of the wall that that could be built. So basically, it was just a recipe not to get any wall built. Yep, that's uh, that's that's what we're dealing with. And something we've been pushing hard now is you know the wall is not the wall is not the solution. It's not the end game. The wall is a band aid to the problem. The problem is the Mexican Mexican cartels. And until we step up our game and take out these cartels. It's the problem's just going to continue because you can you can build the greatest wall, and these guys are just going to keep digging. They're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep pushing drugs into our country, and it's time to take the fight to these cartels. There have been more deaths in Mexico than Afghanistan and Iraq last year. Um, it's a war zone over there. It truly is. Zone. Thousands of uh, people were killed in those border communities, and it was uh, it was insane when Beto O'Rourke was saying that uh, he would want to remove the wall between El Paso and Juarez. I spent some time in Juarez uh, when I was uh, in the service, and I can tell you that that is not uh, conditions that any American uh, would accept, and the only thing that's keeping El Paso from being absorbed into that drug culture um, there in Juarez is that wall. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's going to get ugly, I think, before it gets better. But it's just going to take the American people sticking to their guns. Um, we have the president who's back, and, you know, we finally have a president who understands the issue. And we've got to keep fighting and not giving up. Well, we're seeing on TV right now how the migrant crisis that they denied existed just a couple of weeks ago has exploded into a full bore meltdown of border security. I want to play a clip for you here. This is um, a representative from South Texas, Juan Vargas, claiming that the crisis on the U.S. border is caused by Donald Trump. For a long time, and now given the reality that we're seeing on the ground with a surge in migrants crossing the border, the shelters above capacity, doesn't that bolster his position that there is, in fact, a crisis? 
No, in fact, he's creating this crisis, interestingly. We've seen numbers larger than this a decade ago, and why were we able to handle it? Well, because the administration was working to try to handle it. He is purposely trying to make this a crisis. He's making it a crisis. And every time he opens his mouth in Central America, they hear, oh, United States, let's go. He is, in, in a sense, interestingly and oddly enough, getting more people to come. So you got one guy that's really forcefully trying to solve this, and the Democrat talking point of this uh, now is that it's his fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were saying that, uh, you know, the, the drug cartels are, are our biggest enemy, and we're going to have to take them out. Um, I'm not sure that the Democrat Party in, in our own country is not a, a bigger problem, uh, certainly the courts as well. Yeah, it is. They're a, they're a major issue, and uh, they're they're really putting uh, identity politics first, and they're not they're not putting the country first. And these, it's just disgusting. It's disgusting how these people how they operate, and it's really it's all about votes. They want to flood these these states, Texas and Arizona, with illegal voters. That's why they're, they're you know they're trying to change the voting system around. They want to flip Texas and Arizona. That's all it is. They want to flip those states, and if they flip them. We'll never have a Republican president for a very long time. And people will not be able to recognize people will not be able to recognize this country within a generation. You know, people uh, in Texas, uh, it's been a Republican stronghold for so long that they can't envision uh, that it it would ever uh, become a solidly blue state. I would advise them to just cast their gaze westward to California. Uh, which was yep. once the most prosperous and uh, state in the union and had the highest levels of literacy. And within 25 years, through unrestrained open borders, they have transformed into the state with the highest poverty levels and the highest rates of illiteracy. And I think that's what the Democrats have in mind for the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. That's why we just got to keep fighting and uh, educate people on, on, on the issues and um – it even starts in the classrooms, our universities. That's that's the worst. They, our children are being indoctrinated on these liberal socialist policies and brainwashed. And uh, we we need to completely. It's it's a war. It's a war for our country. And we're really on a last stand. And I don't think people realize how bad it really is. Um, it only like you're saying. It, it, another generation. It's it's going to get really bad if we don't if we don't fight for it. The maddening thing about what's going on in the universities is that uh, we're funding uh, that foolishness. Most of these universities where the children are indoctrinated into this cultural Marxist uh, worldview are state funded. And so, you know, we we get to fund our own uh, dispossession. Yeah, and it's uh, it's, it's just going to get worse and it's going to get worse. And, uh, you know, I, I've been into these countries like Iraq and Kuwait and the Middle East and, and seeing the worst that humans can see, the worst that of, of humankind. And that's why I'm doing this, because I fear for what our future as a country of what it's going to turn into. I mean, look at uh, South America and all these, these countries that are socialist and they just can't sustain themselves. And that's why these people are fleeing their countries, because they're socialists and they have failed. And now they're coming to the U.S., and our own politicians can't see it. They can't see, you know, how bad this is for our country. And I, frankly, I cannot, I can't believe anyone in their right mind would think it's okay to push these type of policies. I, I just, I'm mind blown. I'm not sure they are in the right mind. I saw 
<laughs> a tweet this morning from uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom saying that uh, he's going to uh, visit El Salvador to try to find that, figure out um, how to uh, address the problems down there to keep people from fleeing uh, gang, gang violence and government corruption. And I thought, oh, my God, you don't have to go to El Salvador to find people fleeing gang violence and government corruption. The middle class is bailing out of California as hard as they can because of gang violence and government corruption. Yeah. And yeah. and he's down there in El Salvador. Yeah. And uh, all those Californians are going to Texas, and then they're they're gonna uh, ruin Texas just like they did with California now. Well, I I, uh, I saw where I'm calling you on a, a Florida uh, area code, and uh, I I certainly hope the Californians fleeing to Texas are not like the New Yorkers <laughs> that are coming down here to Florida and bringing their Democrat uh, you know values with them. I hope they have sense yep. enough to not create the same mess that they uh, came down here to escape. Well, yeah, I think Florida is uh, another one that's uh, in, in pretty big trouble. We, you almost elected a, a socialist, you know, um, governor. That's just that's crazy for Florida. Socialist governor, very hard line socialist governor. Brian, this uh, is the kind of stuff you can. This is the kind of stuff you can get away with when you have the media running interference for you. Uh, yeah. You know, he had he had um, campaign appearances during the primaries where he declared outright that he was a democrat socialist and when the general election came around all of those tapes sort of fell down the memory hole and were never never seen you know on the on the media uh, or on the news coverage ever again and he you know ran back to the middle and tried to convince people that he was just another one of these liberal democrats yep and uh you know it's it's the youth it's the youth vote um you know, it boils down to what these kids, they're being, you know, basically, like, I just graduated from the University of Arizona a few years ago, and I dealt with it. And they're selling socialism as helping your neighbor. And that's that's what it is, and they're forcing. They feel like I was forced to take these, like, socialist-based classes. Like, I had to take them to graduate. And they just label them as, like, women's studies or something else, like humanities. And they're all hardline socialist crap. And, uh... All these eighteen-year-old kids, nineteen-year-olds who are new voters, and there's so many of them, and they're just they're just going to vote that way, and it's a it's a big problem. It's a big big problem. I'm I'm hoping that they'll get a, a little bit of life experience under their yeah. belt, and 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 <laughs> you know just take a look around um, and see what has happened to every other um, hardline socialist country. Uh, in history, and uh, and maybe they'll come to their senses, but uh, that's sort of an optimistic viewpoint. So let's let's kept up, catch up on the, the actual nuts and bolts of what you're doing okay. with the uh, We Build the Wall. Um, where are you guys at in fundraising? Where are you headed? And what's the ultimate goal? Well, we're right around $24 million, creeping up on $24 million total raised. Um, you know, our ultimate goal is to keep raising funds and building the wall and building it mile by mile section by section for a fraction of the cost um, until we run out of money. And we, we want to build this wall to protect these communities, to protect these ranchers who have been neglected for the last 30 years. They've been asking for border security and we have a way to give them something that they've never had. And that's border protection. That's protection. 
and uh, it's the American people coming together in a time of need for, to help them out. That's that's it's very simple. That's all it is. So, how much that's money would you need to to accomplish the goal of building all the wall that uh, would be able to be built on uh, private property with owner's permission? Um, we we believe that right around a billion dollars to do if we could do all the land that we have uh, scoped out. And, uh, but it's, it's not even about that billion dollars. We, even 500 million, if getting, doing a, if we can get up to 500 million, which we believe we have a pretty good shot, um, we've been working with some billionaires who are very interested in helping us. We can have a huge impact on these communities and, uh, filling, there's a lot of big gaps that are big holes in the current government fence. We can go in and just bridge these gaps and completely stop these, these trafficking routes. Um, it basically be, the plug with this money and start plugging these sections of wall that need to be plugged. Um, and that's what's going on right now. How maddening, is, how maddening is it when you think about in the Middle East, we, um, we spent about uh, uh, anywhere between 2 and $3 trillion protecting uh, other people's borders and uh, trying to bring them democracy. And at the same time, we can't get our own government who's fo- supposed to represent our interests to to fund, you know, um, I, I've I've heard estimates for the entire wall, you know, anywhere from uh, twenty to thirty billion dollars. I think it could be done for less than that. But even if it was twenty to thirty billion dollars, they 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 lose that much money in in defense budgets. And if the U.S. military yeah. is not here to defend the nation, what the hell good are they? Yeah, I mean, it's it. It's really not that much when you look at the grand scheme of things. We're, we're pissing away money. We're twenty billion like nothing. We we just gave a few months ago twenty four billion to South America. Um, you know what did Obama give to Iran? It's ridiculous. And one hundred and fifty uh, billion dollars on pallets. Yeah, it's it's nothing. It's really it's such a small drop in the bucket. Our government has the funds to do it. It's just. Identity politics are getting in the way. They don't want Trump to do this. They're totally against it because it's President Trump and all the Democrats. As we know, we're for border protection and border security just a couple years ago. Uh, but because it's Trump, he doesn't get anything. They're not going to you know, let him get his way. And he has to fight tooth and nail to protect the American people, and that's ridiculous. Well, that's an interesting uh, topic. You know, they like to portray uh, the fact that they bo- voted for border security. And it's true that they voted uh, in favor of building uh, the wall, but the truth of the matter is they never funded it, and they left the funding to future votes that they had no intention of ever funding it. Uh, They just wanted to be able to go home to their voters and say, we support border security. And that goes for the Democrats and many of the Republicans. They they didn't. I think uh, the, the wall that they authorized in that, that Border Security Act uh, was going to cover about 700 miles of wall, less than 100 miles of it ever got built, and they never funded it. So it was just a sham vote. Uh, so when you see these these videos of these uh, Democrat politicians saying they support border security, you, you know that they're just lying to you. Definitely. They, <laughs> they, lie. they lie about everything. Their mouth is moving, then they're, they're lying. You know, we're, we can we can see the games they're playing. They've been playing long enough, and uh, it's, it's bad for our country. So I, I take a look at your uh, your board. You got some pretty interesting characters on there. I've got uh, 
a little uh, firsthand knowledge of Tom Tancredo, strong patriot who's been at this uh, this cause uh, for uh, going on 25 years now. Um, yep. He's a great spokesperson. Eric Prince, get it done kind of uh, guy for sure. And um, it's got to be um, very entertaining uh, sitting around a table ch- exchanging ideas with Stephen Bannon. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of time with Steve Bannon, and uh, wow, I, I I really can't even believe I'm I get to work with him. It's truly an honor, and uh, the guy's brilliant. I mean, he got President Trump elected, and to have him on our team is just uh, it's a game changer. It's a good Navy man, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got uh, you got Sheriff Clark on here. Man, oh, Chris Kobach, I know what I wanted to tell you while I've got your ear is um, I love this this crowd, crowdfunding model that you guys have put together for the wall. I would love for a similar effort to uh, to be pursued for uh, a voter fraud study. You know, Chris Kobach tried to push through a uh, a voter fraud study and got bogged down in, uh, in all of these lawsuits uh, that uh, basically, you know, stymied his efforts. I would love yeah. for a private effort to go in and really start uh, exposing uh, the border, uh, the uh, voter fraud that's going on in California and New York and Illinois and, and many of these other uh, many of these other states. Yeah, I think it definitely needs to be done. And um, you know, we, it's this is like what I was referring to: is the American people need to fight back. And it's with things like this, uh, we we need to circumvent our government, do things privately because we know the private stuff works best and uh, start going to town and start exposing things um, and getting the job done. It's going to take us, the American people, doing it. So uh, give us your best uh, pitch on uh, why people should go to uh, us. That's us and follow the link over to your uh, your GoFundMe page and uh, and become part of this effort. Yeah, well, for the first time in, I think, our history in a long time, the American people can actually make a difference and fight back against, well, you know, these these policies that are hurting our country. It just, it's really a war that's going on. And if you want to fight, all you have to do is, you know, give five bucks. We raised over $2 million on $5 donations, and that will build almost a mile of border wall. And 100% of your funds go towards this border wall to protect the American people and the people who need it, the people down there on the border. And um, it's not like the government where you don't know where your money's going. You know exactly where your money's going, and uh, you may even get your name on this wall. Uh, we're working on di- di- different things uh, to pay back to the people who are actually doing this. So go to our website and get involved. And uh, we also have a volunteer program going on. Sign up, and we'd love to work with you. I love that idea. Um putting putting uh donors names on the wall i hadn't thought of that uh th- that would be a beautiful thing to be able to take your family down there and say i i built i paid for this section of the wall the wall the wall that you're all building it is is it the bollard uh, uh type wall that uh the border patrol said they yeah, preferred yeah we were going we wanted to do the concrete wall like president trump wanted but after speaking with the border agents they want the bollard uh, so we're going to do the bollard, but we're even going to make it better than what the government's doing uh, and add some more security features into it. And uh, it's going to be great. And uh, going back to the putting names on the on it, uh, we're working with a company who it can etch into the steel the names. So each bollard, can you can sponsor a bollard, 
we're working on different things. So, you know, you can get your family name etched into that steel bollard for life. Dude, I want to, I want to buy a bollard. I've, I've contributed. Yeah. I, I, I want to contribute some more and uh, I want to buy one of those bollards, but, um, and, I, and I'd love yeah, to we're, we're be rolling that out pretty soon. And we, we, you know, we have every, everyone who donated, we have all their information. So whatever that price that we come off that we need to sponsor a ball or whatever they run, uh, if you've already given, we can you know supplement the, whatever you've donated since we have records and for anyone else too. You know, it's just we want the people to get involved and be excited because it's ultimately the people's wall. Absolutely, and you guys funded it. Brian Kolbodge has been our guest. He is the founder and CEO of We Build the Wall. We Build the Wall is a nonprofit dedicated to building uh, sections of the border wall on privately owned land on the uh, U.S.-Mexican border. They've raised about $24 million so far. You need to become part of this effort and uh, and build as much wall as we can while we're waiting for uh, our um, public servants in Washington, D.C. to try to do anything to secure this border. Brian, thank you so much for joining us uh, right now, and I hope you'll. Uh, I, I wish you good luck and hope you'll come back and join us again in the future. All right, thanks for having me on. Take care, brother. All right, you too, bye. And that was Brian Colfodge. Um, I said during our call, uh, I'm sort of in awe of the guy. Uh, if if you're not familiar with the story, I'd, I recommend that you uh, look it up if you want to be inspired uh, by real courage and real determination. Um, Brian survived wounds that would have killed most people he never let it got him uh, get him down and continued to serve his country overcoming huge huge obstacles he's a solid family man and uh, somebody we can all really be proud of well that's it for today's edition of america first radio i want to thank you for joining us I invite you back here again tomorrow on the mojo 50 radio network you can find us on spreaker soundcloud itunes twitter We're all over the internet. We'll see you then. Tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever. The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.